0: Yeah, yeah. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is The Daily Marketer, your weekly dose of growth marketing knowledge for the busy founder or startup marketer. Season two, we are bringing on people who are founders of companies or who are at the helm of some larger startups and we are understanding their growth journey. We're also bringing on people who are subject matter experts in subsectors of marketing. Think branding, affiliate marketing, marketing, social media marketing or even programmatic job ads and we are digging into their brain sucking out that knowledge and bringing it to you here so who's our guest for today brian marcus Brian Marcus is the VP of global marketing at Tune, the pioneer in mobile measurement and partner marketing management. I consider Brian the Yoda of affiliate marketing, and he's been bolstering and megaphoning the channel since discovering it himself 18 years ago. Leading up to this, he was the VP of marketing for Teespring, a Y Combinator and Andreessen Horowitz-backed startup that made it super easy for any brand to create branded merchandise, integrate that with a website, and do some powerful marketing to promote that brand and merchandise. Brian is a man of replicating success at some of the world's most well-known brands. He was able to bring a wealth of domain knowledge to Teespring after building eBay's seller partner network through affiliate and partner marketing. Before eBay, he took the reins and skilled the now-defunct Google Affiliate Network back in 2008. Brian's defining moment that made him dive deep and fall in love with affiliate marketing was a lunch with the CEO of DoubleClick Performix, who shared an incredibly compelling philosophy around affiliate marketing, ultimately scouting and poaching Brian into the Performix fold before getting acquired by Google in 2008. Brian holds an MBA from the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. This conversation with Brian was amazing. Him and I seemed to really hit it off. He is not the Yoda of affiliate marketing for no reason. Affiliate is often considered the redheaded stepchild of digital marketing and puts a bad taste in most people's mouth when they hear mention of it. Brian smashes that misconception to pieces and provides a really compelling case for anyone who wants to consider growing their customer base through what could be considered one of the best ROI channels given its really effectively low CPA. This episode is particularly valuable for anyone who wants to leverage niche blogs, influencers, or rebate sites to share their audience and drive warm customers, not cold customers, to consider and buy their product on a consistent basis. Honestly, who doesn't want this? Undoubtedly, you're going to get an overwhelming amount of value from this chat. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did with Brian Marcus. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey, Jacob. Great to be here.
0: It's an honor to have you here because you're such a senior figure in in marketing. You mentioned before we started recording, you've been there for the inception of a lot of changes within marketing and within the Internet in general. Uh, What I think really draws me to... To learning about you and having you on the show is one one thing I I saw in an interview, it said you're attracted to businesses which are built around networks and marketplaces like eBay, Teespring, and Google. I I think I share that same curiosity and pull. Uh, And I thought we could start the conversation off with a story. So I'm wondering if you could tell us the story of having lunch with the Performix CEO and how that changed your life and maybe shifted you going in more of the direction of affiliate marketing.
1: That was a big turning point for me because in, in many ways, I was at the time sort of post MBA, uh, trying to cut my teeth at e-commerce at a a cataloger trying to make their way into to the e-commerce business, 100-year-old cataloger. And I had all the marketing channels. I was in charge of all the internet marketing businesses. And so that was brand new to begin with. Very few people even knew really how to market on digital at the time. And I, of all my marketing channels, I had search, I had email, I had display. and We had uh, data feeds, we called it back then with eBay. I had this funny little channel called uh, Affiliate where we were working with two networks, a network called Performix at the time and a network called Commission Junction. And I, I inherited this, this marketing department. I came on board, ready to go. And um, I was noticing sort of the different performance of, of, of my different channels and noticing that this affiliate channel, A, was doing quite well. There were some distinctions between my Performix and my Commission Junction results, but quite well. But I knew very, very little about it at the time. And I was trying to figure out like how this thing works. So I called the CEO of Performix, who really his office was about three blocks from my office, and uh, asked him to join me for some lunch. And I was ready to give him sort of the hey, what's going on with, what's going on with our our, our program? Why why is it lagging? Another another program? And man, did he hand it back to me? And um, it turned out to be like probably one of the most honest conversations I've ever had with someone. Uh, that I really, uh, I came out of there really respecting this person because he basically said to me, you know, this is a performance-based business and you guys aren't paying enough to to publishers and you're not using your money right. And therefore our resources are getting sent somewhere else and we're not paying as much attention to you. That's why your program's lagging. And I, I, I couldn't believe he said that to me. I was like, wait, I'm your client. <laughs> and uh, interestingly enough, that conversation, which started as sort of, It maybe sounded adversarial, turned out to be a great conversation that built a relationship which brought me over to Performix because by the end of that conversation, not only did I respect this guy and the way he ran his business, but I really understood this business in a very different way and I really wanted to start to dive into it a whole lot bigger and he asked me to come join him right Mm -hmm. after that conversation, which was a turning point in my career.
0: It seems like what he was implying was this is a partnership, right? Like you got to give as much as we're going to give to you. And uh, the, the coincidentally, that's kind of what affiliate is. Affiliate is partner marketing.
1: It could not have been clear to me that in performance marketing, you you, you uh, optimize where you're, you have your best results. And if I thought about his list of clients, top to bottom when he ranked them, and he realized that I had yet another network I was working with. I wasn't working exclusively through him. And we we sort of split his business up. He sort of had to make a decision. Do I spend my time working on this project or that project? Well, in affiliate marketing, it's the same thing. You're working with all these independent Performance marketers that are running their own businesses, their publishers, their websites out there, and they're trying to maximize their inventory on their websites, their their ad inventory, and they're asking themselves because they tend to know more about their own inventory and conversion rates and clicks better than better than often the advertisers do, and they they're they have to be convinced that 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 they should take one ad down and put another ad up. And t- and place a bet on a new advertiser as they come into the fold. So, similar kind of conversation. I learned it from a, a relationship, which I think blossomed into a great relationship. Ended up spending almost eight and a half years with uh, that team. Uh, it started as Performix. Performix got um, got acquired by DoubleClick, and DoubleClick got acquired by Google. Which you know, the same team essentially lived through three changing of the wallpaper around us. We were like, just, from we go from one building to another with bigger and bigger uh, benefits and perks. It was quite quite an amazing journey.
0: Better and better coffee.
1: Better and better coffee. <laughs> <laughs> good retention of employees, Duke, when you go yeah. from being performance, which was all, which actually at the time did quite well. We had pizza on Fridays, you know, something really good to double click where it became a lot more sort of, uh, you know, you were in the New York sort of, in media and infrastructure business, then all of a sudden Google, it just life got got really, really good.
0: When did performance marketing become a thing? Not not for you specifically, but like in the history of marketing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I probably date it back to when I was at J C Whitney, for example, it was kind of post business school. So I'm thinking that affiliate marketing was around back around '98. Uh, ninety seven, ninety eight. The the big networks like uh, Performix and Google and um, and Commission Junction, uh, Linkshare, who is now called Rakuten, um, was back there, and as was a company called Be Free, which was acquired by Commission Junction back around the time that Performix launched. So. Performance marketing was was really the Really, I, I'd have to say, I think affiliate marketing was sort of the tip of the spear for performance marketing. It was very much driven by business model, pricing, and risk. And uh, that's when that was the time where advertising inventory. You know, people started getting really smart about how to monetize advertising inventory, and those that had really really good metrics, those that knew how to capitalize on that, became those that would be willing to take the risk on behalf of an advertiser on a cost per action basis. And that's kind of how it started. Hmm. People thinking through how they, uh, how they can monetize and how they can arbitrage traffic. Often, a lot of these guys were search engine marketers that took on the risk for retailers that didn't want to take on cost per click deals. So
0: cost per acquisition was a cost model way back then. It became a thing early?
1: Very early, I think you know you had you had probably along that same time frame you had uh, search engines like uh, Overture, which became Yahoo. Gosh, I'm trying to think of some of these names, but you know back Yahoo basically uh, and Google, and they were starting to monetize. So you had the CPC model that was starting to be built out. CPA was a little bit more not as famous yeah. as the CPC, but I think after people figured out clicks. And conversion rates and figured out that they could do things better than others. That's when they started to say, let me take the risk, let me arbitrage this. I'll I'll give you a ceiling by which you'll have to pay. But if you give me a certain dollar amount, and then I'll optimize against that ROI Mm -hmm. and I'll and I'll return you better results. And that's how, in fact, Performix was among the first SEMs, search engine marketing companies, and software that. Existed, and then that's the reason, in fact, that DoubleClick at the time uh, started to get very interested in Performix, is they had, had they had a search console that they could use to help agencies be able to tap into search engine marketing. They took actually the technology that Performix developed cool. and made it made it their Dart search product, cool. um, which is super interesting. I took you way off course there. No, that, no, no, no. Uh,
0: that's 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 good. It's exactly what we need. Well, 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 affiliate marketing as a channel wouldn't exist without cost per acquisition.
1: I think that is the defining characteristic of what it. What makes a publisher an affiliate publisher mm-hmm. is there is their financial risk. I always. Um, yeah. I, I teach a class at, at UW, which of course that's I think where I met you uh, a, a year or so back, and I think of the spectrum of sort of. Who takes on the risk and who, who who benefits the most? And I think in some cases, when you think about the advertiser, CPA is the best model for them because they get the outcome before they have to pay. Right, and it's re- and it's really great for a CPA uh, publisher, an affiliate publisher, if you want to call it, or partner marketer, however you want to phrase it, because they can charge um, they can charge more. Uh, because they're taking on unnecessary risk that an advertiser may not want to take on, and they can charge a premium for it.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll take a step back. So, so what, what is affiliate marketing? Maybe we can just describe that quickly.
1: Affiliate marketing is really um, where you're working with uh, you're working with a partner to drive traffic to your website. Uh, if you take it, let's say the players are an advertiser and a publisher. And if you're an advertiser, you would use a, the affiliate channel, which is a group of publishers that are willing to drive you traffic. A publisher is a, a
0: website property.
1: A, a publisher is a website property, uh, any sort of property where your links can show up. Okay. Um, they, they can take your link and, or build stories around your link and your brand and drive traffic to your website. Good example, early example was Amazon. Uh, used um, uh, their authors would drive traffic to Amazon their authors very quickly became some among the first affiliate marketers out there trying mm. to drive to a platform to sell their books so um, it takes the word also affiliate because it's it's around affiliation so many many of these publishers websites would build websites around certain types of products certain, certain types of activities and would be able to capture traffic as people were looking for things. So if you had an affinity for sports or retail or restaurants, you'd be looking for those, those types of sites on the web. And those guys are really good at taking your traffic and helping convert that traffic into an action. That was not a short version of affiliate marketing. You can never explain no. affiliate marketing in, in a few words. It's just really the truth. Yeah.
0: Let's have an example for the audience. So if it's, let's do the Amazon. Uh, so if it's Amazon partnering with a website that does uh, book reviews and they get 2 million people a month that go there and they read these book summaries, you know, maybe the the book blog, uh, the book review blog would say, Hey, Amazon, do you want to partner with me? You know, I can send you guys uh, shoppers, and then they would agree on some sort of a price, like ten. You can pay me ten dollars for every shopper that I send to you, and you know what? It's not only that shopper going to your website and looking at something; it's them actually making a single purchase of something. You know, yeah, and, right, something like you, that.
1: You, you define you're essentially so. Amazon is an interesting example, and I know too much. It's gonna it's gonna be too complex for me to use them as a great example, even though I, I told you they were among the first programs. They have their own. Program called the Amazon Associates Program, it's probably the largest, one yeah. of the largest uh, uh, private programs. But if you were, call it uh, a retailer, uh, any retailer, pick a retailer, and you wanted to drive traffic to your, you wanted to acquire customers, you could then sign up um, partners to take on the job of driving traffic to your website and get paid on a particular event. A conversion event and tends to be conversion events these days because these guys are specialized in being able to capture traffic help pre-qualify that traffic through their own website whether it's a review site or a loyalty based site or a coupon site kind of pre-qualify that traffic and then send that really highly qualified traffic on to an advertiser uh, who's looking for those goods land them deep into their category pages and be able to create an action is it a sale is it a sign up is it a subscription or a app install you name it these guys will work on those models cost per sign up cost per install versus just saying a cost per click so more highly qualified traffic that converts is really their specialty
0: how would they pre-qualify people on their site
1: so I think of the pre-qualification as sort of their craft. Their craft is to intercept you as you're looking for something. Again, maybe it's through a search engine or maybe it's through SEO. Just to, As you're looking for an item uh, in your consumer, you may go to Google or you may go looking for uh, items, putting words in your browser. Those guys are really good at capturing that traffic. They know the right keywords. They understand how to optimize their websites so that they come up high in your listings. Of, of search results and they bring you to their website and provide you information with uh, call it comparison type of information or rich content around something you're interested in looking at. Let's say you're trying to get um, financial savings, uh, you're trying to shop for insurance. you may go to a blog and you may be like this this person knows everything about financial services. So if they start to write around that topic, they may include your link for example, to an insurance company that's looking to buy traffic from the, from the affiliate world. And uh, they may become an affiliate of an insurance-based service where you can subscribe to their policies or sign up for their policies. So that's a good example of just thinking about how they pre-sell. They basically are doing a lot of the specialization that a retailer or a financial services company may not be doing outside of the four walls of their website.
0: Right. Yep. Very well put. So what do you think makes affiliate marketing such an incredible return on investment? And and I, I think it's worth saying that as you're describing it, maybe if someone's never used affiliate marketing as a channel or even consider it and they think... But oh, they must be doing something special to be able to do a CPA cost model, or to be able to drive consistent traffic to, say, an, an Amazon an advertiser. Is that true? Are they actually doing anything like, do they have some sort of algorithmic brain on their publishers on their site, you know, Or is it just the pure power of the partnership?
1: Okay, so let's take it. Uh, you had asked why, why good ROI and uh, what do they do special. Right. Those are good. Those are good questions. Um, why good ROI? It's it is by far the probably the best ROI channel you can get simply because of the fact that these websites, these individuals in some cases that are building websites around your brand, they are they are thinking very carefully about what makes transactions happen. And they're building properties out there on the web and the internet that are going to warm up the sale for you. And then they're going to send that traffic to you, give you a good shot at converting that traffic and not take a penny. So they're they're already built. They already uh, paid their their own uh, costs to get into search engines and keywords. They've already built websites, spent money on development ahead of actually making a sale. So they're hungry to actually convert that that traffic. So you're working with probably the single best uh, minds out there and trying to figure out how they can uh, you know basically help you win. And so if a sale comes before you pay for it, that's a pretty good that's pretty good certainty. It's it's confidence in knowing that that's about the best kind of sale you can get. I mean, how many times it's commissioned sales rep, right? That's basically how that right. works. Yeah, and that's what that's what many people sort of. Good analogy. Maybe I should back up and. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> I should have thought of that before. commission right. I, I I like to call them value-added presellers. That was that's sort of the the term I I, I think of the most. They're value-added presellers, and uh, what they do special is that they dive deep. They dive deep on your topic. If you're an advertiser that's in their world, they know your consumer better than you. They've researched all the ways they find you, and they've thought about your brand in ways, positioning it in, within content or within a comparison framework or within a, a framework that's going to help you sell in a way that you as an advertiser can't possibly put the resources into. So, I mean, I look at it like there's only so much you can do with your own website in your own four walls to reach certain audiences. These guys have audiences that, in some cases, they've already pre-built, like influencers, for example. They have built-in audiences that they've already conditioned to listen to them. Nothing could be better than introducing a product into that environment where, effectively, they've already pre-sold the audience on believing them, and then giving them an opportunity to go and buy something.
0: They do the groundwork for you, right? Like they they've already got traffic that they're driving to their site. They already have trust with their audience. You know, there's some. Affiliate partnerships. It's uh, they share. They go in. They do a dedicated email piece to their mailing list of three hundred thousand people. Right? People wouldn't sign up to that email list if they didn't trust or like the the content or value that they got from that publisher. And then finally, through that content, they 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 warm up the kind of like, hey, you know, you really like reading our blog. I think you're going to love some of the products that you can find at this place i think you are going to get a lot of value there because you know maybe i've even tried the product myself and you know we as a site we stand behind it right
1: oftentimes they do they're very interested in trying the product living living the product um, or even having members of their community in a lot of these sites have communities themselves so i think of like the quintessential deal site like slick deals if you're a computer tech person and you want to find the, the, the best deal on the new iPhone or when, when you're you're going out looking for technology, there's a really um, hungry group of people that go to slick deals and live by their deals because not only do these people, the community themselves, know technology, but they know deals and they've already researched the deals for you so that the community itself votes up the best deals out there. So here's crowdsourced wisdom that has been built by one of the probably one of the most visited sites on Black Friday um, is Slick Deals. Um, it's a good example of sort of uh, of a, of somebody who doesn't even have to tell you their own point of view. They use their members, their community, to actually they they provide sort of the technology to this community to be able to find great deals. And and you you mentioned something I think that's super interesting. The users of these sites. The the consumers out there that end up at these sites or look to Slick Deals, often find themselves more loyal to Slick Deals than they do to the brands that they buy. So um, there is often a a tug of war between brands and affiliate sites because, take Rackerton, for example, Rakuten Rewards, you've got a great site there that gives a great consumer benefit. So if I if I'm a member of Rackerton Rewards. I get a percent of my everything I buy through Rakuten. Any product I buy through Rakuten, I get a percentage back in in the form of a rebate. It used to be called Ebates, <laughs> and um, and that that's great for advertisers because they get a lot of traffic. They get, they are part of their their world, their mall that they let people shop through. Same time though, like when it comes down to it, if you sell a commodity product and you get a bigger passback, if you're Levi's versus Banana Republic khaki pants. And you're trying to say which, which, where am I going to go link to from Ebates? You may not really care about Levi's or Banana Republic. You may go for the best deal, the best rebate, and so you may be loyal to Ebates or Rakuten now, versus being loyal to a certain brand. So there's there's definitely advertisers have mixed emotions about working with these companies because they consider those their consumers and they don't want to give their consumers up to another website.
0: Territorial. Yeah.
1: Very territorial.
0: So, so, what makes for a great affiliate partnership? And to define great a little bit, as in it, it has great performance marketing metrics for both sides. You know, both, both sides are having revenue generation from the new customers. If I'm the advertiser um, and I'm getting some great revenue generation from the, the leads or the customers I'm sending as the publisher.
1: Yeah, the the what makes a great partner uh, is um, the ability to be to have a very transparent relationship between. So, so in this world, incentives are perfectly aligned. So, if you do something to help your partner, they will do something to help you. I mean, they, they win if they are able to help you sell something or you get more get more subscribers. So, your job is to clear the path. Pave the path for these these partners of yours to give them the data, the transparency of how they're doing and how they're optimizing the fair value of their traffic, the compensation, and then um, all the assets and things they need to go be your marketer for you. Because you're essentially expanding your marketing team out to a bunch of specialists out there to help you do what they do best. And so I think those are the kinds of things that it's very different than a programmatic relationship or, or a blind relationship where you're just plugging in a CPC and you're saying, go optimize against this. This is like an individual that you're working with over the years. These are people you see at the affiliate summit. They put your ad on their homepage on black Friday because you have a great relationship with them. Perhaps maybe not because you always have the best price, but because you've done great business with them in the past. So, Building those relationships, it's really a unique uh, kind of relationship that I think only exists in this channel because it's technology and people.
0: Yeah, it's not a robot. It's not an algorithm. It's it's a human being making that that choice of placing it or doing doing something special for you.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. And even even um, so, when I was at eBay and I ran their partner network, which was their largest acquisition channel, uh, at least at the time. We worked with other networks um, that were initially blind. So we would work with a company that had all these bloggers, uh, a blogger network, because we didn't want to go out there and recruit 10,000 bloggers necessarily to go take our links. We wanted somebody to do that work for us. We'd be able to hitch our wagon to that, except for one thing. I mean, we really wanted to know at the sort of blogger level who the winners are. Like, who are my best bloggers? And in, in most... Relationships like that, it's really hard to get somebody to reveal who their best sources of, of traffic are because that's why they're a network. They secret sauce. That's their, right. that's their secret sauce. So I think part of building a great relationship with networks is transparency and rules of engagement. So understanding, like for example, if if I was working with a content uh, network, if I'm an advertiser and I'm working with a content network. I have to be able to define up front my policies of not being able to go steal one of their best bloggers to work directly with me. And I have to be able to set the rules that say, you know, I found these guys through you. You're driving the traffic, so you need to tell me who's driving the best traffic and you need to tell me who's doing bad things so that I can understand how to re- eliminate that particular blogger and not the whole network. You know, I need to get real laser sharp about the granularity of Of who's driving stuff.
0: You bring up something that I didn't plan to bring up, which is I got good at negotiating uh, while doing affiliate marketing at at Rover, and that's only because you're trying to find that best incentive aligned among both of you. So you gotta you gotta kind of negotiate to be like, you know, I'm gonna be. I'm going to pay you great for those leads that you're bringing over here, the shoppers. But and I want to pay you the best of all your partners. Uh, but I want you to tell me what are the blocks? Like, tell me which are the sources, and if we can agree, then put them in the contract. I think we're going to have a great relationship together.
1: There's a fear of disintermediation in the channel, and uh, there was a time where you really. You go to this, the, the big event in Affiliate Summit used to be the Affiliate, uh, sorry, in the Affiliate Channel used to be the Affiliate Summit, get 6,000 people coming out to Vegas every year. And uh, it was amazing to see people, these panels where people largely said nothing because they didn't want to give their <laughs> secrets away. Yeah. So you, had to talk, you had to talk around things because affiliate, the nature of affiliate hmm. marketing is it's an opportunistic channel. You, you find right. the gaps. And you're able, the reason that you're willing to take the risk is because you know something you that someone it. else doesn't. Exactly. Right. So a part of the challenge, in um, a Tune, like, for example, the company I, I, I work for now, like, we're very strong believers and we, we've equipped companies with networks, uh, networks with their infrastructures. We believe in the network as a way to scale. And we believe advertisers should work with partners and other networks as well in, in a sort of a portfolio, much like you'd have a mutual fund in a, in yep. a single stock. And and that requires a lot of trust. And trust is a big part of this channel. Like any marketplace, any sort of marketplace-based business, you need to develop that trust. And super interesting the parallels, I'm sure Rover and the, the places I've I've been, the eBay's of the world, they they all play into this marketplace of me of performance-based media, which is the affiliate marketing channel.
0: Yeah. And speaking of performance, the, the companies that know their Lifetime value of their customer gives them that much more leverage, and how much they're willing to pay for a partnership with the publisher to send someone over, right? Like, if I know that if we get someone to come over, they end up being a two hundred dollars per year valued customer, well, that means I potentially am willing to pay up to two hundred dollars exactly. to, to, to get them over just to make get one sale or, or to make one purchase, and then it begs the question: Is it is it one purchase that gets them to stick or, okay, maybe that's just defining your negotiation terms. Okay. You know, if you get it's th- it's three, let's pretend it's three sales. All right. With three sales, I'm going to, I'm willing to pay you $150 per person. You know, if, if I said that to you and you know, you being the publisher, you technically don't know that I am willing to pay up to $200. Right. So, but to you, it doesn't matter because $150 per person, you know, that, your website brings 5 million people a month and even if you just sent 1% of traffic gosh you, you know you could be making 40 grand a month just from doing maybe a few hours of work and and developing a good partnership and you could do that consistently for many months maybe many years
1: yeah, I you know the the quintessential example back um, when I was actually sort of at, at Performix, I was in charge of the advertiser side, so I had clients like Target and Kohl's and all the retailers, even Citibanks of the world. So credit cards was the example back. You're thinking perhaps maybe it's like what you did on the Rover side, but I'm I'm thinking like lifetime value of a credit card customer, for example, uh, super interesting because that used mm. to be among the biggest bounties. We used to call oh, back then. Yeah. I mean, they'd pay up to $250, $300 for a lead at the time. Yeah. Now, that changed really quickly. This is, reminds me of the mobile world right now, where you're moving from installs to sort of actions within yep. uh, an app. But back back before there were such things as apps, credit cards were sort of, the, they were among the best marketers out there. And when they started using the affiliate channel, they were paying up, upwards of $250 a lead. They would start looking at their backend metrics and see how many of those leads converted into subscribers or users of their credit card. And they very quickly changed that model. So interestingly, in affiliate, one of the things you can do is you could pay some really, really rich CPAs, bounties yep. to people. And that it's super attractive because of that. But you also, as an advertiser, have great control over what you what action you pay on. So for example, if you have a funnel, that says, I want to lead, I'll pay, and you know your conversion rates. You can basically price out the lead all the way down to a subscription and with mm-hmm. varying degrees of increasing the bounty, right. give an affiliate great opportunities to do more than they would typically do than just drop somebody off at your website. Maybe think about building that relationship for you. So it's it's, it's got undefinable things that advertising publishers can work together on to, to make a marketing program.
0: Hey, sexy ladies and gentlemen, that was part one to our two-part conversation with our guest. Arguably, the second half is actually better than the first, so I suggest you go and listen to that. Also, before you go, I want to ask you for one small favor. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please help grow the show with me by either one, reviewing on Apple Podcasts, or two, subscribing to the show. To give you a little background to why those two, it's because both have a material effect in growing the ranking of the show in podcast categories through the iTunes podcast ranking system, similar to how Google search ranks and organizes top sites for a specific search. To sweeten the deal, we're going to do something a little special. If you review the show on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to enter you into a $50 Amazon gift card raffle, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's simple. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that little purple podcast app on your phone. Scroll to the bottom of the show and hit Add Review. 10 words, 10 seconds. Very easy. And you'll be entered into a $50 Amazon gift card raffle, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's free money, oh? You got to love that. If you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be freaking amazing. Thank you. Take care and good night.